0: on the Minnesota Vikings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, everyone. Welcome back to the Locked On Vikings Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are tuned in to episode 439, and we have a lot of special things planned for today's episode. I want to continue the rookie rundown from the previous episode, where I just gave an overview of each and every rookie in the Vikings draft class. Last episode, we went over Mike Hughes, Brian O'Neill, and Jalen Holmes, which were the team's first three draft picks. Now we're going to get into the latter part of the team's draft class with Tyler Conklin, Daniel Carlson, Kobe Gossett, Adey Aruna, and Devontae Downs. Some other things that we'll be going over, we'll be talking about Pat Elfline, who was placed on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list to start training camp today. Giving us some training camp superlatives, that's a popular list going out on Twitter right now, talk about a guy who can be a breakout potential player for the Vikings a rising star and a host of other things on that list as well and then we'll end up answering some Twitter follower q and I know I sent out a tweet earlier stating that I wanted to get some questions from you guys just to see exactly what you wanted answered and that's something that I'll be doing more often as we get deeper into this podcast series and going on with future episodes later on during the latter half of the week I'm going to be doing the Q&A session usually on the Thursday or Friday episodes or even a weekend mailbag from time to time. So, let's dive right into it. Let's get right into the rookie rundown starting off with Tyler Conklin, who was the team's fifth round selection, the tight end out of Central Michigan. Doesn't come in with a lot of hype because he's behind Kyle Rudolph, he's behind David Morgan, two established veterans that have a lot of reps invested. With the Vikings to this point, we know Kyle Rudolph is the top guy on the depth chart. And David Morgan is more of a jack-of-all-trades guy. He can, he can be a receiver when they ask him to be, even though that doesn't really suit the main part of his skill set. He's more known as a blocker. That's really where his ch- contributions come from in the running game, and that's really how they have used him from time to time. But when Kyle Rudolph does get banged up, which does happen in games, he's been very reliable as a receiver. Speaking of David Morgan, when they do ask him to run some routes from time to time, I know there was some games last year where he did stand out and did have some some receiving yards where he did look very impressive, but they don't ask him to run a lot of routes very often. And I think that's where Tyler Conklin could come into the picture. Now, I'm not saying he's going to overtake David Morgan for that number two tight end spot, but we do know one of the biggest recipes for success in John DeFilippo's new offense, who is now the Vikings offensive coordinator coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles, where he was previously their quarterback coach, is that he loves to use double tight end sets. And we saw that in Philadelphia last year with Brent Selick and Zach Ertz, who was their top two tight ends and even a mixture of Trey Burton in there as well. So he's used a host of tight ends in his offense. And even in his time back with the Cleveland Browns, he used the host of tight ends led by Gary Barnish, who had a breakout season under John DeFilippo. And I think Tyler Conklin is going to be very much in the mix when they want two receiving options on the field. And that's not to say David Morgan isn't capable of doing that. But I think Tyler Conklin has a more diverse skill set as a pass receiver, and he's a much more defined and precise route runner than what David Morgan is capable of being. So that's probably where Tyler Conklin's role will come in for the most part. And that's what he was at Central Michigan. He proved to be a reliable pass catcher for them. Now he did suffer some injuries. I know he had a foot surgery that he did have early on in his years at Central Michigan. But and that's something that he really didn't recover mightily from or steadily from. And that's one of the biggest reasons why he slipped later on in the draft. And I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a really good contributor for the Vikings from a receiving standpoint. And that's not to say he's gonna break 500 plus yards receiving, but I think he's gonna be a guy that pick it, pick and chooses his spots when he does contribute as a receiving threat, as that number three guy. So keep an eye on Tyler Conklin, not necessarily as a blocker, but more as a pass catcher when John DeFilippo wants to get those two reliable receiving threats on the field at the same time in various formations. Moving on, I think this is one of the biggest battles of training camp, and that's at the kicking spot. The Vikings moved up in the draft to select Daniel Carlson from Auburn, who was arguably the best kicker in college football a season ago, known for his very strong leg, extremely accurate. The Vikings really haven't had that guy that can consistently knock kicks down from 50 yards plus. It really hasn't happened since the early years of Blair Walsh, and we all know how that whole experiment ended with this latter days here in Minnesota. But Daniel Carlson comes in with a lot of hype. He was the first kicker selected in the 2018 NFL draft. So this is the guy the Vikings really wanted, but they already have an established veteran on the roster and Kai Forbath. But my whole thinking is that you don't move up to select a kicker in the draft. If you're going to end up cutting him the following months or the months to come in training camp, I think Daniel Carlson is going to be the guy and, I mean, that's pretty evident after they did end up trading up for him in the draft. And I think Kai battle days are numbered unless Carlson just comes out and looks completely terrible in training camp. I think it's his spot to lose. And the only way he does end up losing this battle is if he just looks disastrous throughout training camp. But that would look really bad on the Vikings if they did end up or if they trade up for this guy and he just looks completely terrible. And I don't think that's going to happen because Carlson has shown to be a reliable guy from 30 40 and even 50 plus yards out and also they have that guy now who can consistently get touchbacks and kick the ball out of the end zone on those kickoffs which is something the Vikings haven't had and that can be used as a weapon. So the Daniel Carlson versus Kai Forbath, Kai Forbath, the Daniel Carlson versus Kai Forbath training camp battle is definitely something to watch. Moving on to the 6th round, the first pick of the sixth round by the Vikings was Kobe Gossett out of App State. And if you follow me on Twitter, I am extremely excited about watching Kobe Gossett. And that's not to say he's going to step in and be a day one starter. That's not what I expect him to be because he just has too many guys in front of him. And we, Mike Rimmers and Nick Easton obviously are probably going to be the two starting guards at this point after Mike Zimmer's comment stating that they were probably going to play Rimmers at that right guard spot. Nick Easton is the man at left guard. Where Gossett really supplies or helps the team out where Gossett really helps the team out is that he provides really good depth and that's what I think he's going to come in and do Danny Isadora is a guy that I like as well I had a really big pre-draft grade on him I had him as a fourth round guy and I thought he was a guy that was going to potentially come in and maybe even start early on in his rookie season but that proved to not be true but when he did fill in I know against the Cleveland Browns he filled in it was a severe roller coaster ride, but that's expected. Offensive line is one of those positions where you don't really know how guys are going to adjust once they get into the NFL. And it's one of the hardest positions to project in the NFL as well, because you just don't know how guys are going to translate as an offensive lineman. But just staying on the subject of Godsit, a guy that was the anchor of the Appalachian State offensive line his four years there in his whole entire career a guy that manned that right guard spot and was very impressive at doing it as well when I watched him on film I saw a guy that was very smooth in his pass sets was dominant in the run game and he shows that nasty mentality that you love to see in young offensive linemen because that's just something that you cannot coach or instill within them and that's something that Gossett already has now he does need to improve on some things does need to get a bit stronger, and he does need to improve upon his balance. That's something that really stuck out about him on film. He does struggle maintaining his balance, especially on certain blocks. In the running game, you just randomly see him fall for random reasons from time to time, and that's something that the new Vikings offensive line coach, whoever that may be, whenever they do bring a new guy in, is something that he's going to really have to focus on with Gotsit. But he's a guy similar to Nick Easton that was a late-round guy that I think could come in and help contribute. So keep an eye on Kobe Gossett. I think he's a guy that's going to be a dark horse for many years to come, and I think he can be that late-round developmental type of offensive lineman that they like to strike gold on in the later half of the round, similar to a Nick Easton, who was an undrafted guy. Excuse me. I didn't mean to say that he was selected during the latter half of the draft. He's a late-round-to-undrafted type of player that could come in and be that instant or later on down-the-line contributor for the Vikings offensive front. Moving on to the Vikings' last selection in the sixth round, that was Adé Arona, the defensive end out of Tulane, another guy that really should have fans excited. The Vikings love taking chances on raw edge rushers that have athleticism. He really showed really good athleticism at the combine, showed really good explosiveness on certain drills and certain performance tests. And we've seen in the past with even guys like Daniil Hunter where they like to take those chances on those explosive but raw edge rushers. And Adearona is nowhere near the prospect that Daniil Hunter was or showed the type of explosiveness that Daniil Hunter exemplified coming out of LSU. But what I'm saying is that the Vikings love taking these big balls of clay and molding them into the type of players that they want to be. And that's a formula or a recipe of success that they had, or that's a recipe that they have had success with in years past, even with Daniil Hunter and Tayshon Bauer guys that were very raw, but they showed some type of explosiveness on film that they like to mold, and that's exactly what you're getting with the guy like Ade Arona, a guy that he didn't have the best season last year, but I thought he played out of position, and the scheme that Tulane was running last season didn't really fit his skill set. They were playing a 3-4 scheme, and they had him playing the defensive end in that 3-4 scheme. He's more of a guy that's a 4-3 edge rusher, a guy that can keep his hand in the dirt and rush around the edges and win the arc more consistently as opposed to being a guy that is trying to hold the point of attack at that four or five technique spot and a 3-4 defense, which is what Tulane had him doing last year. He's a guy that that is most consistent at that five technique spot in a 4-3 defensive front, which is exactly what the Minnesota Vikings run. Adair Runner is probably going to be a guy that they want to stash on the practice squad and develop over time because there's just so many guys that are in front of him at that defensive end spot that they're still trying to develop like a Tayshaun Bauer, Stephen Weatherly, and a host of other guys as well that they want to see. So Adearona is definitely their project that they want to work on for years to come. Now, he is a guy that is a bit older. I believe he just turned 24 years old. So he's an older rookie, but he still shows those flashes of explosiveness. And maybe if they can clean up that technique that he's shown and those flashes that he's shown as well. Maybe they're hoping that they can get that out of him later on down in his career in his second, third or even fourth year. And maybe they can strike gold on a guy that could end up being a really good depth piece down the line behind some of their high end starters that they do have at edge rusher. Moving on to the team's last pick, seventh round selection, which was linebacker Devontae Downs out of Cal. The Vikings took a risk here taking Downs because he has suffered a torn ACL, which he did tear in October. And we don't know when he's going to be ready for training camp. Now, he didn't start the season or he didn't start training camp on the pup list, which is a very good sign for him. So maybe he will be ready to go sooner rather than later. So keep an eye on Devontae Downs. Now, the thing about this selection is that the team has shown to really like taking chances on linebackers later on in the draft or even undrafted guys. We saw with Eric Wilson last year who came in and was an instant contributor. Maybe not a linebacker, but he's a guy that came in and contributed right away at special teams. And I think that was their whole logic behind taking Devontae Downs. And they don't really have a lot of reliable depth behind Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. Ben Gideon came in and filled in really good at that wheel linebacker spot. And Eric Wilson came in and was a pleasant surprise as well. And with Kentrow brothers being suspended the first four games of the year, maybe they're hoping Devontae Downs could come in and maybe be that, Eric Wilson, type of guy that could come in and be a depth piece and contribute on every single special teams. So that's pretty much the second part of the rookie rundown. That's just my overview of most of the Vikings rookies that they took during the latter half of the NFL draft. But before we move on, here's a word from some of our locked on podcast sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Nordic Track. Nordic Track has a series of training equipment to give you amazing workouts in the convenience of your home, including treadmills, exercise bikes, incline trainers, and strength. You can join high-energy stream workouts any time of the day without stepping out the door. Join stream workouts in both studio and exotic destinations from around the world. Workouts are led by the world's top personal trainers to ensure you meet your fitness goals. Start your day with a run through the streets of Paris and end with cross-training on the shores of Thailand or workout on the African safari. Special offer for Locked On Vikings listeners. Get $75 off your Nordic Track purchase by visiting NordicTrack.com slash locked on and using the offer code locked on. Again, visit N O R D I C T R A C K dot com slash locked on. Again, that's NordicTrack.com slash locked on. And use the offer code locked on during checkout to save $75 off your purchase. Moving on to the next segment, let's talk about Pat Elfline being placed on the physically unable to perform list to start training camp. A lot of fans were wanting to press the panic button about this, especially since Elfline's injury came during the NFC Championship game. And he had his surgery in January. So he's had about six months to recover. He sat out all of OTAs, all of mini camps in order to just give himself more time to heal up. And I just wanna tell you guys, do not panic about Pat Elfline. Mike Zimmer came out and said he shouldn't be out for too long, so I don't expect him to be out more than a week. That's pretty much my timetable for him. The team did sign JP Quinn, who was a center out of Central Michigan, but the only reason they did sign Quinn was because they didn't have any other center to snap during these rookie training camp practices. So do not panic about Pat Elfline. Everyone knows that he's a big part of the Vikings offensive line. And he was a pleasant surprise last year with how well he did come in and contribute. But it is a bit scary that Elf line has not participated in anything to this point. And on the flip side of that, fans do have the right to panic that he hasn't done anything to this point, especially that he's not been able to lift any type of weights, especially lower body areas. And he's the type of player, especially being a young player, that he needs as many reps and as much weight training as he can get, especially since strength is one of the areas where he struggled with the most. The biggest area that he struggled with last year was being able to sustain and stay on blocks and stick on those blocks and being able to finish defenders. And him not being able to go through any weight training sessions or just not being out there on the field to this point is a bit scary. And I agree. Fans do have the right to panic a bit about that at this point but let's just see how it goes in training camp, and let's just see when he does get back out there on the field moving on to the next segment this is one of my favorite segments and it's a popular tweet going on around twitter right now i hate i don't have the person who actually posted it but it's talking about superlatives for your team and who you think each guy best fits this certain area or this certain superlative so just to give a rundown of each one, there's a breakout candidate, a comeback candidate, a rising star, a guy you should not forget about, a guy that needs to rebound, a dark horse candidate for the upcoming season, a under the radar guy, and a guy who you think is most intriguing. So going back to the top, my candidate for a breakout guy, and this may seem a bit cliché, but I think it's Kirk Cousins. Why do I say it's Kirk Cousins? I think he has no choice but to be a breakout guy for this offense. He comes in with the $84 million contract, the first fully guaranteed contract in the NFL. This is one of the best offenses he has played in. And I think people are taken away from what he had in Washington. I think he has some really good wa- I think he had some really good weapons when he was with the Redskins. And he had a decent offensive line when he was there. But as a supporting cast as a whole, I don't think he's had as well-rounded of a team talking offense and defense as this Vikings team. You have Stefan Diggs, you have Adam Thielen, you have Kyle Rudolph, and you have a young up-and-coming star in Dalvin Cook behind him. He's never had a running back that reliable behind him in his time with the Redskins. And then you combine all that with the number one defense in the NFL. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a breakout season, and that's not to say that He's going to put up more points or more touchdowns to interception ratio in his statistics. But what I mean by a breakout season is that he's going to be more efficient than he ever was. And the big debate about him this offseason has been how inefficient he has been in the red zone. Now with John DeFilippo on board, who was the red zone specialist and the quarterback's coach in his time with the Eagles, I think that's something he can help Kirk Cousins approve upon this upcoming season. You have guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, who are great at contested catches. Cal Rudolph, who has been dominant in the red zone from years past. So I think you're going to see a much more efficient Kirk Cousins. And I think he's going to operate this offense very efficiently. And I expect him to have a breakout season. And that's why he's my candidate to be the breakout guy. I think the next one is pretty obvious. The comeback candidate of the year. And that's Dalvin Cook. I have huge expectations for Dalvin Cook this upcoming season. Everyone's seeing him running around practice without the knee brace. He's finally been fully cleared by the Vikings team doctors. And a lot of people have huge expectations for him this upcoming season, including myself. Now, I don't expect him to get off to a great start. I think they're going to feed Davies Murray a lot early on because they want to really ease him back into playing games. They want they don't want to throw him out there too soon and have him putting too much on that injured or that torn ACL that he did get surgically repaired after the fourth game of the year against the Detroit Lions when he did suffer it so I don't expect them to give them I don't expect them to give him a heavy workload early on but around third fourth or fifth game of the year I expect his workload to increase and I expect Murray's workload to decrease and I think we're going to see a big year out of Dalvin Cook now John David Libo's offense has a history of being a running back by committee backfield but I think with Dalvin Cook, going to be able to shoulder the load with him, and that's not to say put a lot on his plate, but I think the offense is really going to be ran through him, and what I mean by that is if the Vikings are able to sustain and get big leads, they're going to feed Dalvin Cook. That's just been Zimmer's MO. He wants to play good defense, and he wants to run the ball. He wants to have a dominant run game, and he wants to play dominant defense, and that's why I think this team or this offense is really going to be ran through Dalvin Cook, and I expect him to have a big year. And that's just not as a rushing threat. There's reports out there that he's been used all over the field, all over various formations as a pass catcher as well. So I'm really excited to see what he does next season. Now for the rising star, and I think this guy pretty much is right there as a budding star already in the NFL, but I'm going with Danil Hunter, a guy I think the world of, and I don't think he gets enough credit for just how good he really is to this point and everyone loves to say how young he is and rightfully so he's only 23 years old and he will turn 24 years old during week eight of the season so he's going to play half of the season as a 23 year old and a lot of rookies are 23 years old now and it's just amazing just how young he still is to this point and It's really nice to see how far he's come along now entering his fourth year. The work that Andre Patterson has done to get him to this point has just been phenomenal. And now with Sheldon Richardson in the fold, Linval Joseph manning the interior, and with how much attention Everson Griffin continues to get weekly, Daniil Hunter is going to get a lot more one-on-one opportunities, and I expect him to have a big season. I think he's going to Have anywhere from 10 to 12 sacks. And it would surprise me if he has even more than that because of the more one on one opportunities he's going to face weekly. I expect him to have a big year this year. And I think he's going to prove to be worth every single penny of that deal, that extension that he just signed this offseason. So, Daniil Hunter would definitely be my candidate for the guy that is the rising star. A guy to not forget about. And I went back and forth, there's a lot of viable candidates for this spot because the Vikings have so many good young pieces but the guy I think everyone should not forget about is Danny Isadora and I keep saying that because he showed some really good flashes in his time that he did start last year but there obviously was some lows in his play I know the Cleveland Browns was one start where he did have that was positive but there was some really bad negatives as well as well so there's going to be some highs and lows with him but with the question marks that the Vikings do have at that right guard spot, I think he's a guy that could prove to be the team's sixth man off the bench if Mike Rimmers does continue to struggle at that guard spot or if Rashad Hill struggles at that right tackle spot and they want to slide Mike Rimmers back to that right tackle spot. Danny Isodori is a guy that could slide in if he does end up beating out Tom Compton in training camp as that sixth man off the bench. So Danny Isodori is a guy that, fans should not forget about. A guy that needs to rebound is McKenzie Alexander. And that's not to say that he was just terrible last year, but there was some rough patches and there was some highlights for him last year. And you would like to see his season smooth out and just be consistent throughout the entire year instead of being a roller coaster ride like it was last year. And we saw the flashes of him against the Redskins where he just had a really good game. But you come back and you talk about the NFC Championship game, against the philadelphia eagles where they really were targeting him and wherever he was on the field they were going after him so i would like to see him step up this year and really rebound from what we saw a year ago and i also have another guy that i think needs to rebound and that's rashad hill at right tackle of all the people up front he's arguably the most important guy on this offensive line because If he doesn't pan out at this right tackle spot, things could go downhill very quickly. And you're talking about shuffling guys all over the place. Mike Remmers is probably the team's backup right tackle right now because he's shown to be reliable out there. But if Rashad Hill doesn't rebound and take that next step forward in his development like they do plan on him doing, you're talking about shuffling the entire right side of the offensive line. And that's just something that the Vikings don't need to do at this point, especially with how huge of a question mark the offensive line already is entering the season with Pat Elfline's injury, we don't really know what Mike Rimmers is going to be for a full season at that right guard spot, and we don't know if Rashad Hill is going to take that next step in his development at right tackle after having a well below average game in the NFC Championship. Rashad Hill and Mackenzie Alexander are definitely two guys that need to rebound in 2018. A dark horse candidate, and it's really tough to say this guy is a dark horse because he was the team's first round draft choice in 2016, but it's Laquan Treadwell. And that's not to say that Laquan Treadwell is just going to have a thousand yard season. He's going to have more receiving yards than Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen. I'm not saying that he's a guy that could have anywhere from 300 to 500 receiving yards and maybe one or two touchdowns or even three touchdowns, something along that sort. We all know, no knock on Case Keenum. I think he had a phenomenal year last year and I love every bit of this season and the year that he had last year, but He's a guy that did not fully go through all of his progressions and every option on his progression. And he locked in on certain guys. And understandably so. Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are very reliable guys, especially in all types of coverage. And it just seems like he did not trust Laquan Treadwell. But there was a lot of times where Laquan Treadwell was the third or fourth option and he was getting open. But Keenan was so fixated. On sticking on that first and the second option, which were Diggs and Thielen, that Laquan Treadwell was running open from time to time, where he could have had some more yards and he could have been a heavy contributor. Now, in a Kirk Cousins, a guy that's known to spread the wealth, he's known to use his top three to four receivers very consistently throughout the year. So now we're going to see a guy like Laquan Treadwell have more opportunities on certain down and distances and all types of coverages. So. Laquan will would definitely be my dark horse for a guy that can have a better season than he has had at this point. And under the radar guy, I talked about him earlier. I'm a big fan of him. And that's Kobe Gossett. I think Kobe Gossett, he's a guy that is extremely under the radar right now. He was a six-round pick. And Gossett is a guy that could come in and be that depth piece that they really have been sorely looking for on the interior offensive line spot. And that's something that they really haven't had throughout years past. And whenever the Vikings have sustained an injury or two, it just all goes downhill. But I think Gossett could come in and be that sixth or seventh guy off the bench that I think could come in and still give that same level of play that some of the other interior offensive linemen are giving that are starting. And that's not to say he's going to do that next year. I'm talking maybe two to three years down the road. I think Gossett is going to end up turning into that late round offensive lineman that could end up being, a starter or he could end up being that first guy off the bench as I alluded to earlier but Gossett is a guy that I'm highly excited to see in training camp because I think he's a guy that has a game that's very advanced at this point and I think he's a guy that could come in and he could be a contributor if not this year then later on down the road my most intriguing candidate is Sheldon Richardson I've said this repeatedly I'm more excited to see how Sheldon Richardson contributes to the defense than I am to see how Kirk Cousins contributes to the offense. And why do I say that? The Vikings haven't had that penetrating three technique since Sharif Floyd sustained his injury. Yes, Tom Johnson was a very good piece at that three technique spot, but Sheldon Richardson is much more supremely, supremely talented than what Tom Johnson is. And to unleash this defensive line, what the Vikings always needed was that penetrating Defensive tackle opposite of Limbaugh Joseph. And that's exactly what you're getting with Sheldon Richardson. Why am I so intrigued by Sheldon Richardson? Because he's a guy that's coming in that's very hungry. He's had a chance to dive into the playbook. And that's something that he didn't get in Seattle last year when he was traded a couple weeks before the season started. He's been here an entire spring. He's been here an entire summer. So he's now comfortable with that playbook and some of the techniques that Andre Patterson is trying to instill in him. He's developed some chemistry with Linval Joseph. Those guys have been everywhere together, it seems like, on every single video. So those guys have developed a very good rapport report during this offseason, and I'm really intrigued to see how he unleashes not on this defensive line, but this defense as a whole, because Mike Zimmer has not had a penetrating three technique since the days of Sharif Floyd. Him, combined with Linval Joseph, is going to really free up Daniil Hunter as well as Everson Griffin. So I think Sheldon Richardson is going to be a really huge addition to this Vikings defense. Now that we have completed training camp superlatives, here's another word for some of our Locked On podcast sponsors. And welcome back to the final segment of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Now we're going to get into some Twitter follower Q&A. As I alluded to earlier, this is something that I'm going to do during the latter half of the week. And I'm going to ask for some questions that you guys have, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get to each question. I want to do around four or five because they can get a bit tedious if I do just keep carrying on and on. I just want to thank each and every one of you guys for sending in your question. And if I did not get to your question, please don't let that discourage you. Keep sending in your questions every single week, and I will do my best to get to each and every one of them. So the first question is from Per Perhaga, Per underscore Haga. On Twitter and he asked would you sign Easton to an extension before the start of the season if so what do you think he is worth now the Vikings reportedly have only around 12.3 million dollars of cap space so it probably isn't realistic to sign him to an extension prior to the season especially with guys like Stefan Diggs and Anthony Barr still out there waiting for an extension it's just not realistic to fit all those guys under that small number and he's the third option on the pecking order I would not sign him prior to the season, but I would be very interested in signing Nick Easton after the year and the team is very high. On Nick Easton, they put a second round restricted free agent tender on him this offseason season just to ensure that no one would take or take him away from them. And if they did want to take them take him away from them, it would cost a second round pick. And them putting that high of a tender on him just shows how much they respect his game and how far he's come to this point. And I mean, they did trade Gerald Hodges for him was a player that the Vikings really did like, but he just didn't fit some of the stuff that they were trying to do and the culture that they were trying to create at the time. And Nick Eason is a guy that they got along with the sixth round pick. How far he's come from that point to now being a consistent starter, that just shows how much they really like him. And I fully expect them to extend him at some point, if not during the season, then definitely after the season, but I don't think his extension will come before Stefan Diggs or potentially Anthony Barr. Moving on to the next question. And this is from Luke Parrish at L Parrish 22. Do you think Eric Wilson can surpass Gideon as the third linebacker? This is a really interesting question because of all the people on the Vikings defense, I think Ben Gideon obviously is that one spot that is up for grabs. All of the other spots, all the other 10 spots on the defense probably are locked in for the year. So I really don't see any other spots being different from a year ago outside of Sheldon Richardson being inserted for Tom Johnson, of course. So that third linebacker spot really is up for grabs. It's going to be an interesting camp battle because Eric Wilson is very explosive, a guy that the team really thinks highly of, that they really chased really hard as an undrafted free agent a year ago. But the team did invest a fourth-round pick on Ben Gideon, and I think they think really highly of Ben Gideon. And he's a guy that is underrated, in my opinion, because he contributes on every single special teams. And he's a guy that plays very hard when he is out there. But he does have some limitations. And that's not to say Eric Wilson doesn't have any limitations or that he's just that much more talented than what Ben Gideon is. I think they're two players that are really neck and neck and really the same type of players. Gideon's measurables are a bit more impressive than what Eric Wilson's are, just speaking of his height and weight. But as far as the talent level, I think they're right there neck and neck. And preseason is going to be big for both of those guys. And it would not surprise me. If Eric Wilson does end up surpassing Ben Gideon, but I expect both of those guys to make the roster just because of the contributions that they do make in multiple areas. Next question comes from jcord21 at jcord842118. He asks, does Diggs get locked up this week? And if so, does he get 14 to 15 million? This seems to be the hottest topic of debate on Vikings Twitter, and that's paying Stephon Diggs and what exactly is he worth? And I'm of the belief that Stefan Diggs is worth 14 to 15 million. And if they do give him a Jarvis Landry type contract, I would be all for that. And I'm all for giving him Brandon Cook's type of money as well. And everyone says that he hasn't had a thousand-yard season. And a thousand yards seems to be the precedent set for every single type of wide receiver. There is some questions about his health, but he has played 40 out of the 45 career games that he has suited up in a Vikings uniform. I don't count the early games in his career that he was inactive for. So I think the health issue tag is a bit unfair to him. Yes, he's been banged up, but that's just who he is. He's a guy that's going to have some bumps and bruises during his playing career, and that's just who Stefan Diggs is. He's going to spend a lot of time in the training room because of how hard and how rigorous he trains his body in the offseason. And he just wants to be the best that he can be. But he's going to give you 12 to 13 healthy games a year. Sometimes to hit that 14 game mark as well. But he's going to be on the questionable list. Throughout the year, because he always has those bumps and bruises throughout the year, because that's just who he is. The quicker that fans realize that, the quicker they will get over that injury tag or that injury bug that he does come with. But when he's out there, he's a guy that is an elite talent at the position because he's so good at contested catches. His routes are amazing. And the time that he puts into his craft is really good. He wants to be the best that he can be. And you sign a guy like Kirk Cousins, and the last thing that you want to do is start to take weapons away from him. And that's not to say that give Stefan Diggs the highest paid contract at the position. I'm not saying that, but you want to keep as many weapons around Kirk Cousins as possible because he goes as his supporting cast goes, and we've seen that throughout his career and taking a guy away like Stefan Diggs would highly detriment his play throughout the year. Moving on to the next question from Scott Salerno. I apologize if I mispronounce your name. It's at Scott A.Z. Skoll. He asked, does Trevor Simeon's game time experience make him locked in at the quarterback two spot even if Kyle Sluder outperforms him in camp? This is another really good question, because I think the backup quarterback spot behind Kirk Cousins is one of the position battles that's not being talked about enough. Trevor Simeon is a guy that started a multiple amount of games when he was in Denver. And I think that's really going to give him the edge over Kyle Schluter, because we don't know exactly what he is in actual NFL games. Yes, we have preseason tape to go off of. But the regular season and the preseason are two different types of animals. And we know what Trevor Simeon is. He's a guy that's going to be one of the better or a high end backup in the NFL. And everyone knows that he wasn't a starter in Denver and his play exemplified that. But if you ask him to sit back and be a backup, he's a guy that's he was consistent and he had some consistent moments in Denver and he had some very low moments in Denver. But if you ask him to be a backup behind Kirk Cousins, now you have a guy that has game time experience. He's a proven veteran, and he's a guy that can be a high-caliber backup. And we all know, as Viking fans, that the starter could go down at any moment, and the backup quarterback spot is very, very important on any roster. I'm of the belief that the backup quarterback spot is a top-10 position on a roster because if you invest so much in your top quarterback or your QB1 on a depth chart and you don't have anything behind him and that guy goes down, you could see your season dwindle at any moment. And we all saw that when – Teddy Bridgewater went down, and when Sam Bradford suffered some injuries as well. Luckily, Case Keenan was able to come in and contribute, but the Vikings had to give up a first-round pick for Sam Bradford, and the team was just never able to recover, ended up going 8-8. Eight and eight. And that's episode 439, guys. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for tuning in once again, everyone that sent in their questions. I really hope you guys enjoyed the second part of the rookie rundown, the Pat Elfline discussion, the training camp superlatives, and much more. Those are just some of the things that we're going to debate on this podcast. And I have a lot more special things planned with training camp now, full swing. There's a lot of other things that I want to talk about. Kirk Cousins obviously will be heavily involved and heavily debated on the next episode. Just to give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek into the next episode, I'm going to debate or how Kirk Cousins can prove his worth and how it can prove to be worth every single penny of that fully guaranteed contract that he did sign. A couple months ago, that will most likely be what's centered around in the discussion and what the entire podcast will instill. So I'm really excited to talk about that. There's some training camp battles that I want to get into and some positional battles that I want to highlight as well. So I'm excited. Training camp is here. And I really hope you guys stay tuned into the podcast for many weeks to come and many episodes to come. Once again, Skull Vikings. Thank you for listening.